Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to Starseed Radio Academy, empowering Starseed to better serve the planet. Welcome to Starseed Radio Academy. It's Tuesday, April 10th, 2018, and I'm your host, Arielle Taylor, with my co-hosts, Lavendar and Anastasia. Mercury is retrograde now until the 15th of April, so it's not a good time to start new things or sign papers or buy electronics. You can take the time to reflect and don't be surprised if computers act up. Our next Starseed Quest to Arkansas is for Pleiadian lineup on May 18th through the 21st, and all you need to join us is at least one galactic star marking on your astrological chart at 25, 26, or 27 degrees of any sign. This is a soul group reunion in the crystal capital of the world designed to enable a catalyst for starseed empowerment to higher frequencies. We've redesigned this event to be much more affordable than the previous gatherings, so if this sounds like what you've been looking for, just write soon to crystals at starseedhotline.com for more info because we only have a couple spots left. Our special guest this evening is Allison Hawley, who in 2012 found herself overwhelmed by the intensity of a spiritual awakening. She began seeing energy and beyond our current time and space paradigm. Many new awarenesses and gifts opened up to her, including moments of spontaneous channeling and visions. Although it was a somewhat scary time, deep within she began to feel stillness and a confirmation of what she had always felt, that she's here for a purpose and that there is so much more to life than the standard human experience that we perceive. Allison is the author of the new book, The Era of the True Creator. She is a conscious channel, bringing forward the energies of divine love and unconditional joy for this time of awakening. She serves others through her guidance in discovering their life purpose, developing intuition, and knowing ecstatic states of being through various practices. Her life's mission is to activate others into their highest expression of self, Radiant Ecstatic Creators. You can check out her website, which is allisonholly.com. And Allison is spelled A-L-L-I-S-O-N, and Holly is H-O-L-L-E-Y, allisonholly.com. At the top of the show, it's Anastasia's Starseed News, bringing topics of interest to starseeds that you won't hear in the mainstream. And we'd like to thank Jada, Fiona, and Kathy for hosting the switchboard tonight for those who may have a question or comment for our guest. We have an online Starseed community at starseedhotline.ning.com, and it's a safe place to connect with other Starseeds thanks to Tammy's helpful dedication. And you can download our shows on iTunes or right here on Blog Talk. If you'd like to show your support of our program, please click follow on our page here at Blog Talk and you'll get our weekly show notice so you know what's coming up. The toll-free number for StarseedHotline.com is 888-881-0881. The Stage 1 Starseed confirmations are based on Lavendar's discovery of star markings and your natal astrological chart, and the Stage 2 session is a one-on-one phone session available with Lavendar, Anastasia, or myself. 
For those who need healing of any kind, whether emotional, physical, or spiritual, for yourself or your pets, Tammy's powerful remote sessions will make a difference for you. And if you have a birthday coming up, excuse me, you don't want to miss out on your 10 hours of power. You can find out when that happens by requesting your solar return timing. And please remember, if you want a session of interpretation for that chart, you'll need to order it at least three months ahead of time because we do have a waiting list. So first off this evening, I would like to introduce Anastasia in her ever-popular Starseed News. Well, good evening, Ariel. Hello, Lavender, <laughs> everybody. It's great to be with you. We do have a chance of solar storms today. NOAA forecasters are telling us that we have a 55% chance of minor geomagnetic storms today and tomorrow as a stream of solar wind buffets Earth's magnetic field. They tell us that the gaseous material is flowing from a wide hole in the sun's atmosphere. And there is one little bitty tiny spot, probably the size of our Earth, by the way, but that little tiny spot relative to the size of the sun, anyway, is trying to form on the solar disk. But other than that, the sun is still without sunspots. Well, you guys, it's a zombie winter. This is a winter that won't die. It keeps coming back. Cold continues and sets records in the United States. And as we go into mid-April, much of the nation is still contending with record cold temperatures and snow. Yikes. In the last month, there have been 2,225 cold records set and 1,159 snow records set. And strong winds blasted the northeastern United States and Ontario last, uh, last Wednesday, cutting power to hundreds of thousands and wrecking havoc in travel. The storm knocked out power at, um, in Pennsylvania. Fierce winds knocked over tractor trailers as they were driving on highways in Rochester, New York. Gusts topped 65 miles an hour. Now, mind you, we're in mid-April. Uh, Local officials uh, there reported one death after a sugar shack collapsed uh, near Plessis, New York, alongside the Canadian border. Snow squalls have accompanied the strong winds across parts of Ohio, Pennsylvania, New York, and Ontario. Bursts of snow, coated roads, reduced visibility. And earlier in the week, there was a severe weather outbreak that erupted across the southern and midwestern uh, states. Residents from the Ohio Valley to the Mississippi Valley endured a line of powerful thunderstorms which brought damaging winds, large hail, and flooding downpours. So it's been really tough. Uh, Also in Xenia and Clifton, Ohio, they had a tornado uh, funnel cloud Uh, 44 years to the day after the little town of Xenia was hit by a devastating tornado tornado during a super outbreak of severe weather. Uh, Wow, it's just been something else. You know, New York had five inches of snow that caused flight delays and cancellations at all the city's major airports and, if you're interested in baseball... Uh, The snow fell several hours ahead of the home opening games for multiple major league teams, including the Pittsburgh Pirates and the New York Yankees. Crews were working hard to clear the snow uh, off the stands, um, but the snow was too much. The Mets and the Yankees both had to postpone their games, and on and on and on it goes. It's been quite the spring. 
we went for a walk today, as we do often, and I tell you what, I shuddered the whole time. It's cold out there. Where I am, 46 degrees. Poor birdies. <laughs> I, say, you know, I say the poor birdies. I'm glad they have downy feathers, and sometimes I wonder, can they feel the cold? Well, goodness, they get through the winter, but, you know, they're entering into mating season, and I know those birds want some nice warm air, some sunshine. I know they do, so... Anyway, here we are. We're on planet Earth, and we'll take it, take it as it comes. But it's kind of a surprise. Well, we've been, had strange sounds in the sky again. You know, this seems to come around periodically. Um, it goes for a long time. We don't hear about it, and then it starts up again. And right now, uh, the sounds most recently, just a few days ago, were recorded in Bellbrook, Ohio. Um, it was just a few days ago that a YouTube uh, user uploaded a recording of the eerie sounds in the sky. Now, he claims it's not the first time he's heard this, but he said that he was able to record this on his iPhone, and uh, it was able to capture it for others to hear. You can find that on, on uh, YouTube if you look up eerie sky sounds in Bellbrook, Ohio. Also, there were strange trumpet sounds as well recorded in the skies of Hawaii. They say that many weird sounds are being heard in many parts of the world. Scientists are expressing their skepticism about the phenomenon being caused by anything supernatural. Um, A user uh, also uploaded on YouTube uh, the sounds in the Hawaiian sky. Um, It showed the the video showed the Hawaiian sky and recorded the unusual and unexplained noises, which many people are saying sound like trumpets. And uh, most users are when you look at the comment section, are arguing over the origins of the sounds. Some say it's due to natural causes, such as uh, ground faults or this or that. Some saying that it's Jesus coming soon. Other people are saying that they have remembered uh, experiencing similar phenomenon that's been heard in multiple places all at the same time. So the talk stirs when this happens, and it's no wonder I've heard it once. It's really, really weird. Well, every week, just about, often anyway in this broadcast, we talk about incidents along the the, uh, Ring of Fire. And we need to ask, is the Pacific Ring of Fire becoming more active? I'm sure many of you may have asked yourself that question as we have had report after report on incidents in that region. Well, uh, when when Bali's Mount Agung started rumbling last September, authorities on the Indonesian island uh, they were mindful of the destruction this volcano had caused in 1963. They began warning residents to evacuate. Now, tremors of varying, antici- uh, varying intensity continued until the 21st of November, when uh, Mount Agung uh, finally began to erupt. It forced as many as 140,000 people to, to bug out, <laughs> to leave. And now, more than four months later, Mount Agung is still erupting. Now, on January 23rd, Mount Kusatsu Shirain, which is northwest of Tokyo, suddenly erupted without any warning at all, really freaked people out. And around that same time, Mount Mayon in the Philippines began belching ash and lava. That displaced more than 56,000 people. And early in February, Taiwan had a 6.4 quake that tipped buildings and killed 17 people. Then, in mid-February, Mount Sinabung in Sumatra, Indonesia, blew up and sent pillars of steam and superheated ash into the air. What do these have in common? They're all in the Pacific Ring, the Ring of Fire. 
Now, Sinabung's eruption was followed late February by a magnitude 7.5 earthquake in Papua, Papua New Guinea, the worst earthquake in a century. Now, another major eruption at Mount Sinabung. It erupted once again on Friday. Uh, it's spewing massive uh, volcanic ash column into the air and sending hot clouds as far as three and a half kilometers in all directions. It one thing after another, boom, boom, boom. Now they say that the eruption, this is odd, uh, startled local residents because it had been a relatively quiet volcano for the past month. <laughs> I can't believe that people would relax after all this activity and just assume nothing's going to happen, but according to the article... They said people were surprised. And likewise, going on at the same time, Papua New Guinea uh, was hit with a very shallow magnitude 6.5 quake um, that happened uh, just a couple of days ago. They say that this is the second powerful er earthquake to hit the region in the last few months. You know, we've re reported on that. So all of those incidents are going on along the Pacific Ring of Fire. Hmm. Seems to me like it might be coming a lot more active. And in California, we did have a 5.3 magnitude quake. It did rattle Southern California. They say it was the most powerful in years. This happened on Thursday. Now, although there were no immediate reports of damage, the quake was felt across a wide area, and they say it was a pretty blunt reminder that California is earthquake country. The USGS put the epicenter at about 23 miles off the Channel Islands, about 85 miles west of Los Angeles and very near Santa Barbara. It was centered near the eastern Santa uh, Cruz Basin fault zone. Now, there is a slightly greater uh, likelihood, they're telling us, that the Temblor could trigger a larger earthquake, but they say this probability decreases with the passage of time. Now, the last big earthquake in the Channel Islands region before Thursday's Temblor was in 1981, and it was a magnitude 6.0. Now, the last quake to be felt this widely in the Los Angeles area was a magnitude 4.4 in Encino in 2014. Now, that particular quake was the strongest to hit directly under the Santa Monica Mountains in the past 80 years. So, long time since a lot's been stirring up in that region, and this is a pretty good-sized quake, 5.3. You all might have heard about this. It's been on uh, media from here, there, and and, uh, and beyond, but I wanted to share it with you because it's connected to some other stories that you might not have heard about. In Nairobi, in, in Kenya, in the Rift Valley, a miles-long crevice has opened up in the ground. I mean, it's huge. And they, geologists are telling us that it will take tens of millions of years to split Africa in two but that this rift, uh, this crevice in the Rift Valley, interestingly called, is going to uh, split Africa in two. It's going to take uh, Africa apart. And they say that this crevice that's going on is, is the beginning of it. Now, they say that geologists have known about this possibility for some time. But it became widespread news recently when a large crack stretching several miles in length made a sudden appearance in the southwestern uh, Kenya desert following heavy rain. Now, the tear continues to grow, and it collapsed part of a highway and was accompanied by seismic activity in the area, which I think is an important thing to note. 
The crack is located in a region known as the East African Rift Valley. It measures more than 50 feet deep and 65 feet across. And it's miles long. Now, what you might not have heard about is that this appears to be part of a greater trend of Earth openings. I'm going to give you some examples. You know, these stories pop up now and then. I don't always cover them, so I'm going to give you a summary of what's been going on recently. A huge earth crack several hundred miles long has opened up in Pakistan. They have discovered a massive fissure that was... uh, found in, the, in, in, the, in Arizona, in the desert. There was a massive earth crack that opened up in north, northern Cape, South Africa. It's three. There is a huge crack spreading across the Antarctica ice shelf. That's four. 400 people have been evacuated in central China after huge cracks form in the ground. It's Five. There is drone footage that has captured giant cracks left uh, by a New Zealand earthquake. That's six. Um, Giant earth cracks and holes have swallowed 150 hectares of land in Ecuador. Seven. There are giant cracks in in the earth on Japan's southern island. I don't know what island that is, but there you go. There's eight. Scientists are telling us that the mysterious Menno Mini crack in Michigan is very unusual and they don't have any idea what caused it. There's a mysterious burning crack in the earth that is releasing gas in Chimborazo, Ecuador. I'm not done yet. There's a mysterious earth crack near, nearly a kilometer in length that is terrifying residents of Aponte, Colombia. Two more. There is a gigantic six-kilometer earth crack that's opened up along Route 3 in Paraguay. And last but not least, a massive crack in the earth has mysteriously opened up in the Bighorn Mountains. All of this is recent. It's really something. Mm. It's a head-scratcher and an eye-opener. There's a lot going on under there, under the crust. Well, um, okay, a science article. Mm, guess we could call it that. The U.S. military has a weapon that can create human speech out of thin air. Just think about that. The Department of Defense has announced that it's developed... Uh, the Joint Non-Lethal Weapons Program, whose purpose is to create weapons and other contraptions that can incapacitate people but not kill their targets. And one such device is an energy weapon that can use lasers to create the laser-induced plasma effect, which allows it to alter atoms and create words out of thin air. As of yet at this particular stage of its development. This device merely makes strange human-like sounds. But intelligible words are the project goal within the next three years. An additional goal is to have the weapon create particular noises or heat at distant points in space. 
Now, the DOD asserts that anyone between the weapon and the target would remain unaffected. The current blast range is projected at tens of kilometers. Okay, how does this work? This weapon system has a femtosecond laser that can shoot bursts of focused light for around 10 to 15 seconds and a second nanolaser. The first laser rips electrons from air molecules and creates a plasma ball, which is then hit by the second laser, tuned to a very specific range of wavelengths. In this way, the device can control the plasma field, producing lights and increasingly more clear noises. According to technicians that are working on the project, they are very close to getting it to speak. They are telling people that within, they're within three or four kilohertz of achieving their goal. Some of you engineers out there might understand that. And the Department of Defense tells us that the idea behind non-lethal weapons is to minimize fatalities and permanent injuries to personnel with the intention to produce reversible effects on enemy targets. They say that non-lethal weapons can come in handy in urban centers packed with civilians. Other scenarios where they can be utilized include security checkpoints and for crowd management. Brave new world we're coming into. Well, I have a good quote for you. If we had no winter, even a zombie winter, the spring would not be as joyful. If we did not periodically experience difficulty, abundance and ease would not be so welcome. So, there you have it. Tonight's Star Seed News. (laughs) I like that. I like that. Isn't that great? And it's really true, isn't it? We know we get depressed with the cycles of life, but it is the contrast of experience that makes this Earth trip such a trip, uh, the intensity of, of it all. And right now I'm particularly enjoying the brilliant tulips and daffodils, and I'm loving it, and the red buds too. I know you all have particular types of foliage that come out in your area this time of year, but uh, it is wondrous. So when you have adversity in your life, things get going tough, just think about the daffodils, the daffodils of spring and the springtime of your life. Spring always follows winter, whether it is in nature or in the cycles of your personal life. So if you're in the winter of your life, hold on, spring is coming. And when we're in spring, let's be very sure that we take time to enjoy it. Soak it up. (laughs) From my heart to each one of you, much love, and we'll talk again next week. Thanks, Ariel. Okay. Oh, thank you so much, Anastasia. That's a lot of things to to ponder and think about. And certainly um, we'll be sending um, light and support to the parts of the world that are having some difficulties. So uh, we'll talk to you next week. Okay. So now I am going to get Lavendar's mic open. And I see Allison on the switchboard, so I'll get your mic open. Okay. Hi. Hi, Allison. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Well, it's our pleasure to have you. And Lavendar, are you ready to go? I'm ready to go. Okay, take it away. Well, Allison, you mailed the book one day, and I got it the very next day. I don't know how you did that. 
uh, situation has happened pretty pretty smoothly, I think. So um, I'm glad to hear you got it right away. You didn't even send it priority mail. You just mailed it first class from yeah. Washington to Oklahoma. <laughs> that's unheard of, okay? That's just unheard of. That's, re- that's really crazy. I'm interested to see how our conversation goes because um, – you know, the way that the whole show lined up, it's been that way as well. Really uh, interesting. So, Okay, let's talk a little bit about this wonderful book. I've really been immersed in it ever since it came. So mm. just tell us how it came about. First of all, tell us anything about yourself, if you've had ET contact or you've had any mm. high spiritual experiences. I think in 2012 is when you really... I think the Band-Aid was jerked off your third eye and you just went, we, right? Yes. Is that what happened in 2012? <laughs> we is right, definitely. Yeah, 2012 was the big year for me. Um, my, you know, awakening started at the end of that year, right around my birthday, actually. I'm an October baby, so um, that's when it started for me. It was kind of catapulted into being through some difficult things. You know, I went through a breakup and it, uh, you know, some of my physical sickness symptoms, uh, I lost my voice for about six months. And when I finally decided I needed to figure out what was going on, it really spiraled into my awakening. Um, so I think a lot of people have a similar awakening story where something that's difficult pushes them through that opening and and on the other side is all of this understanding. Um, so that's kind of a synopsis of my uh, awakening story at the beginning. Um, as that started happening, I did start receiving a lot of um, direct downloads. And, you know, I, I had a couple instances where I would spontaneously channel. Oddly enough, both times it was because I drank coffee, um, <laughs> so that's a really interesting little moment. Uh, I had some coffee, which I don't do regularly, um, and something about my my vibration sped up, and I had a couple different channeling instances and visions. Um, after that process, I started practicing learning how to channel directly and having it be something that I could incorporate into um, my daily life sort of being able to channel at will so that I could receive more information. Um, through that practicing channeling process, uh, I connected with, you know, my guidance team, my higher self included, and um, I found out that I am uh, starseed incarnated uh, from Andromeda, from the um, Andromedan Council is is sort of my guidance team. Um, and so, you know, I guess that could be considered the ET contact. I I am an ET, so <laughs> that's my contact, um, you know, and I know that uh, at least the way that I view things, uh, in a way we're all sort of ETs and, and starseeds depending on how long we've been here, and we all have really varied experience, but... Um, what I learned was this was my first lifetime on Earth, incarnated as a human. Um, so, yeah, that's that's a, a brief overview. I guess I'll also mention uh, that once I channeled, that my first visit 
to Earth was I came during the Mayan calendar formation times um, as as my higher self soul, um, and I and I was part of the team that helped uh, impart that wisdom and worked with the Mayans, um, and that I fell in love with the Earth process so much that I decided to come back during the 2012 shift and be a part of this that we're going through right now. So. I'm so here, and I love it. Tell us a little bit about the, the tobacco <laughs> ceremony that, that you went through. The tobacco ceremony? Yes. Okay. So I, um, with my husband, Wind, uh, a few years ago, we went down to Peru, and we worked with um, one of the shamans there, um, a few different shamans, actually, at the same center, and I drank uh, the tobacco diet. And the tobacco diet is essentially it's boiled down tobacco leaves that uh, grow in the Amazon jungle there. And um, so when you ingest that, it's, it's like uh, a soup bowl full of tobacco. And it's, um, it's highly toxic to the body. But uh, so I definitely I want to put that out there that it's, it's something that you want to do with someone who's very knowledgeable about the plant that they're working with. Um, so I did work with what they call a tabacchiera. And um, so he's sitting there, and I drank the tobacco. And this went over the course of seven days because I did a seven-drink diet. Um, and throughout this process, uh, you receive, I received different... Really, most of it was a release process. A lot of fear left my body. It was a very grounding process. Um, and then a lot of uh, visionary understanding came through, and so that's how the book started. On about day four, um, I was given the outline to the book, and I wrote it down in my journal, and I was also given the introduction, um, which I believe is called Welcome Home in the book. And so that's the first uh, chapter, the introduction to the book. So I was shown all of that while I was on tobacco diet, and it was a very beautiful gift um, to be given this, you know, full outline. So. so how long did it take you to write the book? Uh, I just finished. I just published it about maybe a month and a half, two months ago. Um, very recent, maybe maybe shorter than that. Time is, you know, funny. But um, I just recently published it. So I started writing it there in the jungle, and it was a two-year process. Um, the reason that it took me so long, it's a short book, as you see. It's not a long book. Uh, I, I'm not a prolific writer. I have grown a lot through the process of writing this book. But... Um, it took a while to write because I actually had to learn what was in the book as it was being shown to me. So I received the outline, and then a lot of my channeling notes um, I put into the book. And as the book flowed through, I had to learn and integrate and experience what I was writing about. So the book really is my own process. In a way, it's my own process over the past two years, and... Uh, culminating to the last chapter, which is called Choice, Freedom, and Mastery, and really stepping into being a conscious creator and someone who knows how to make choices 
from a higher level of understanding that doesn't get caught up in the um, in the dualism and and really takes creation to a new place. So that's been my process for the past couple of years. I'm definitely still in it and still learning, but once I was able to, once I really felt like I was ready to publish it, I knew that it was uh, something that I had learned and that I could confidently speak about it as something that I'd experienced. That's very important. You know, I just now turned to, the chapter of choice, freedom, and mastery, and I've turned to page 97, and I'd like to read a paragraph, if I could. Okay. What we know of as drama can be described as default-level choosing. If the choices we make are all within the same frequency of vibration, then we are still creating from dramatic paradigms, stuck in the repetition and the creation loop of old patterns and not living in the moment, but instead acting from the myopic viewpoint of past experience. In dramatic creation, we are not present, nor are we allowing ourselves to perceive from an expanded understanding. This choosing the same thing over and over again causes us to get caught in the vibrational rut of the drama cycle. Choosing, not based on the moment, but propelled by what the mind already knows, what we've already chosen as a default. That is absolutely right on target. That is happening <laughs> to almost everyone that I'm talking to now. Mm. People are looping old patterns. Yes. And I believe it says it in the next, uh, in one of the next few paragraphs that we see, or maybe it's in another chapter, that we see that um, there's sort of this split where a lot of people are learning how to be present and to make choices from the present moment. And then a lot of other people are continuing to live in the mental loops of recreating the same thing over and over again. And, of course, that's all okay. It's perfect. We can choose what we want. And there is a lot of benefit um, to getting caught in those loops there's a lot of understanding that our soul wishes to carry by getting caught in those loops because there's, there is something very beautiful about the human experience and how we can recreate our pain again and again and again, even though it doesn't necessarily seem beautiful from our human perspective. But really what we're being called to do is to be very present and to move forward with that presence but our mind gets so confused as to how to move forward when we're very present. It almost seems like we don't need to do anything when we're very present. And then we have this struggle with the mind where the mind doesn't want to let go and the mind doesn't want to say, okay, I relinquish control, because the mind wants to say, what are we going to do if we let go and if we are present? Um, But what I'm trying to portray in the book is that there's actually a huge opening to a vast amount of creation that can happen as a result of being present and letting go of our old uh, drama recreation patterns. So that's kind of the turning point that a lot of people go through as we go through the awakening process is we want to know how to create once we let go of the old dramas that we're being guided to let go of. Right. I'd like to read from from page 52, if I could, okay. because it's, it's yeah. so um, so in tune, in alignment with, with hap- what's happening with the star seeds right now. 
there are two dominant perspectives that people hold as we all move toward oneness frequencies. Those who are new to this incarnation process on Earth and those who have lived many lifetimes here. For new souls to this planet, being empathetic is very natural. Many come from planetary systems within there is already weak consciousness and the beings there are already functioning from a oneness reality. When these new souls come to Earth, the experience of being egoic and individualistic is a new and exciting experience, but it can also be very confusing and distracting as these new souls are now part of the fabric of physicality and experiencing the suffering of very real perception of pain that this separation brings. These newer souls, often called starseeds, aliens, indigos, and many other terms, are easily affected by the energy of others. This sensitivity can show up as a slight impressibility and and insusibility to to what others experience and feel, or it can be taken to an extreme when a person cannot separate themselves from the experiences of others or the perceived suffering in the world around them. New souls, or souls who have not lived other lifetimes on earth or within these lower frequencies, are often deeply distracted by the illusion of suffering and come to believe that it's real, as we all do in these realms. It's a very new experience for them. Star beings can lose their sense of self and others here on Earth because the density of the third dimension is so strong and they are not used to the, they're not used to the ego, ego, egoic projections that are part of the Earth plane. They may become mesmerized by the cult of personality and find themselves mimicking others that are showing them both physically and energetically. It becomes a game of learning through experience though it can be incredibly distracting to the point of devastation for the one who is not firmly grounded to earth, as the mind can spin out and lose all sense of self or personhood. New souls may believe very incongruent things about themselves when lacking the ability to know themselves here in earthly dimensions. From the other perspective, for those souls who are very familiar with the earth realms or who deeply identify with physical reality, awakening into oneness can be quite a shock as the previously perceived boundaries fade away. It can cause anger as a defense for feeling the pain of others or the need to protect one's personal space. Expanding in the realms of the heart may feel a bit like going insane as we relax our tight sense of personal selfhood and open to connection on deeper levels with others. Souls who are more familiar with earth frequencies often have a challenging time with the mentality of new souls crying for vast amounts of change without the respect to the eons and lifetimes of work and progress that those earth souls have accomplished. This disrespect can cause resentment and resistance toward unification or even a feeling of loneliness or rejection during the experience of awakening. That is so profound. I am so glad that you wrote it that way. Thank you. <laughs> it's so nice to hear it. And as you're reading it, I'm like, oh, I want you to, you know, do the audio book or something because it just is, your voice is really fun and the way that you uh, read it is great. I'm having a good experience hearing it. <laughs> um, and, you know, it's interesting because I had that, that's really kind of telling my story in a lot of ways. Um because as I said, you know, this is, I, I'm a new soul to this earth. And I have in my partner, uh, in, my, in my husband, um, he's my twin flame. And he has 
what we've channeled as thousands of lifetimes here on Earth. So through our union, we have both learned a lot about what was just described right there, which his experience of awakening and my experience of awakening um, really had those signposts in them where mine was, you know, at first it was like, come on, you guys, we've got to do this and, you know, change. And I think that's pretty common across the board. But with him, uh, he often felt that people were being disrespectful um, to, to his previous path, even to his lifetime here on Earth, and not really cueing into his story because we just got a lot of new young energy that um, that maybe isn't paying attention to how far we have come and really how beautiful it is currently that that we don't need to call for change simply because the world is ending. We don't need to look at it that way. We can say, hey, guess what? It's time. It's exciting. We're all one. And we can unify through this and we can hear each other's stories and not be afraid of hearing each other's stories just because they're different, you know. Um, so it, there, there is a lot in that, and I'm really glad that it struck you because uh, it's something that I do find very important. I, uh, You know, the very next paragraph, both viewpoints can help each other if we can honor the other perspective, merging the star seed and the earth-based truth. This comes from relaxing our egos and trusting the collective process of ascension to bring us into higher frequency, regardless of our belief systems and our soul histories. Mm. That's major. Yeah. That is major. But see, it all has to do with judgment. We judge mm-hmm. those things that we don't understand or we don't want to know about, or maybe it's too painful right. to go into those areas. Yeah. And it is scary. You know, that's the thing is, we do have the human perspective here, and it it can be hard to to feel a calling internally and then to be met with the external world um, and to have to say, to have that inner strength to say, this is my calling, but it doesn't mean that you're wrong. And to find that place of unification internally that says there is no wrong, and yet we can still move forward. Um, that's confusing to the mind, but it can be done. It's just a heart calling. And that's why, you know, previously in the book, uh, writing about, you know, moving into the heart center, because that's so vital as a framework and as sort of a foundation for us being able to do that. Otherwise, we just get too scared and we end up, you know, calling for change and, and trying to make things change but really perpetuating um, the disunification, if that's a word, and and the, the feelings of separation uh, when really we can pull together. And um, it's, it is asking for a lot, though, I guess is what I'm saying. It's okay if we're feeling scared, and it's okay if we're all bumping into each other and creating a mess uh, because we're still learning. Um, but it is possible also to unify, so... Yeah, I mean, it's it's just, it's an exciting time. It's a lot of work that we're all doing, you know. Let me ask you about the uh, the symbol on the front of your book, the triangle. Yay! I love that symbol. How do you feel about it when you look at it? I'd love to hear that. 
I've got some earrings that look just like it. <laughs> really? Well, that's amazing. <laughs> I I looked at it and went, oh, that's the other half of what we deal with. We deal with the, the perfect diamond, that which mm. you have, I believe, the first chapter, the second chapter. You have dramatic yes. creation. That's yes. the symbol that a lot of us use when we go to the Starseed Quest in Arkansas. That's our symbol. Whoa. So on the front wow, of it, it was I like, love it. <laughs> And make it wow. and make it like the one for your second uh, chapter. I looked at it and said, "Oh, yeah. we got to flip that over. It's going to be totally." And it, we call it the Athena hoop. Is what we wow. call it. The Athena hoop. I'll have to um, if we can remember after this. I want to. I'd love to be able to see it if we could email or something. But um, so the symbol on the cover of that book was really interesting. It feels really good when I look at it. And I received it in a dream just before I got married. I had this feeling for some reason that I was meant to have a symbol, um, that I was meant to wear a symbol when I got married. I can't quite remember why that came to me, but it was just a feeling that I had. And so I asked for it, and I had a dream that was very visionary where my guides from the Andromedan Council which it's funny calling them guides because they say we are one, so it's like I am them. Um, but anyway, they gave me a symbol, and it was uh, those two triangles on my forehead as they were glowing electric blue. And um, so I made this sort of crown to wear on my wedding day um, with those two triangles. Um, and what I was told when I asked later what does the symbol mean, I was told it's an initiation symbol. And so I felt that it was very appropriate to put it on the cover of the book because this book is meant to be an initiation into how exciting this process is as we go through the awakening and into our mastery and being humans walking around as masters on this plane um, and using our creative abilities. So... Um, when I looked at it, I actually thought this is a symbol called sky to earth. Mm. What hit me when I saw it? I said sky to earth. It's it's flying and it's coming down from the sky and it's coming and it's coming in a V. Mm. That's so beautiful, and that's really I love that you said that because that's the point. I want everyone who sees these symbols to have their own personal activation with it. Yeah. Um, so like you mentioned that at the beginning of the chapter, um, I've also put other symbols that I intuited that I felt would speak to whatever content is in the chapter and through meditating on those symbols uh, to help us absorb and understand from our own perspective each of the chapters and, and what's in there. So um, those symbols are so powerful. They're really, I you know... I, it's something, it's a realm that I haven't gone into as much as I'm sure a lot of, um, as as you and maybe a lot of your listeners have, where a lot of people receive symbols through their awakening, and it's this other, you know, light language um, that, we're, that we're learning, and it's so beautiful. One of the things that I'm experiencing with clients is that somehow, someway, in their DNA packets, that certain mm. things are released at certain times and the symbols come up that way for them. They'll just mm. immediately start drawing them or they'll start yeah. seeing them 
or they start seeing patterns. Um, I'm, I'm, I guess about everyone I talk to, I say, how often do you see the number 1111? And everybody goes, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, my, my head yeah. just jerks to the, to the clock every time 1111 comes up. There I am. Yeah. So it, so I went before a council at one point saying, okay, give me the truth about what's going on with symbols on the planet. What 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 are mm. you guys doing to all these people so that they jerk their heads to 1111? <laughs> they told me that it was in the DNA patterns. The DNA mm. patterns are activated to to match some kind of time sequence on our planet along with colors and and different symbols at different times. And it's one way that the star seeds can find one another, they tell me. That's so that's so amazing. That's so beautiful. I just want to sit with that feeling for a minute, you know. Um I I really love that because the the feeling of opening into a portal is it's just transcendent, you know. This language that we're speaking, it's so it's wonderful. Um but there's just nothing to describe that feeling of opening uh, that that we get through, you know, the number synchronicity and the symbols and and all of those things. I think they're all triggers. Uh, I think they're all triggers for us to remember. Yeah. Let me let me yeah. ask you, Allison. Uh, do yeah. you do sessions with people, uh, or do you do seminars? Do you travel? Tell us more about how people can find you. Yeah, um, I love that. I do seminars. Um, I do workshops. Um, I'll just start at the beginning. The The one-on-one work that I do right now um, is different sessions. So I've just recently gone into conscious sexuality and um, really doing work in that realm with people. It was a big need that I had to have someone be able to speak uh, the starseed language and also teach about the human body and how we can reach ecstatic states through our sexuality. So I do teaching with that in one-on-one sessions and couples sessions. Um, That's I very also important. Do... You know, one time I was in yeah. Aruba many years ago and I, I was being trained by a, a female um, Pleiadian cosmonaut and she came in with... Mm starting to instruct me about sexual creation and how it all works. And when she got through, I said, I said, you know what, you need to find someone else to give this information to because I'm not going to be the galactic Dr. Ruth, okay? <laughs> <laughs> that's, what, that's what I told her. <laughs> so I'm glad that you're doing it. Oh, well, you know, the more the merrier. I mean, we all have our peace in it, you know. So, um, But, yeah, I do, I do think that it's so important to talk about because, uh, in a lot of ways, it was what I needed to hear. So, um, yeah, so I do, uh, and I do in-person workshops. I live up here just north of Seattle, and I do um, conscious sexuality classes on that here. Um, I also teach channeling. So I have a channeling course um, that I offer. It's a one-on-one course at this point, Um where I teach people how to do channeling work. And, uh, you know, people call it different things. What I what I do is essentially trance meditation where I receive information um, and I teach people how to tap into that state so that they can receive their own information. Um, 
And let's see, I also teach with a, an online school called The Heart Center. Um, that's at theheartcenter.space. And that is a group of different uh, people who feel called to teach their various practices through the avenues of the heart. Um, so we do online classes with that. And at some point, the organizer uh, sees it being you know, an, an actual school somewhere. Um, but right now the classes are online, and then uh, we have a retreat coming up in September. So, um, yeah, I think that's about it. <laughs> uh, have you thought about um, these new indigo kids that are on now on the planet and, and, and how we can come together and structure some kind of education for them, not the public schools that we have now, because... Mm-hmm. These new kids, they don't know how to operate in, in, in this old paradigm that we've been living mm-hmm. in. Well, what what I feel is that uh, the kids are going to also be creating it. They're going to create what what resonates with them because of the energy that they're bringing in, which is really beautiful. Um, but also, yeah, I it doesn't feel like my calling directly, but um, the organizer of this group, the Heart Center, he feels very called to things like that, um, and he has kids. So I think it's a, a more direct calling for him, and he was also a teacher um, before his awakening hit. So he uh, he feels a resonance with what you just said, that, that this new education is really going to be coming through, and there are a lot of people doing that work, you know, so... Um, the the shift is happening so oh good well good yeah so do you have any experiences where you have any missing time or things like being aboard ship that you remember you know sometimes they Mm -hmm. take us aboard ship and they give us our little shots so we don't remember and then they bring us back and then sometimes they Mm -hmm. let us remember them in a dream later have you had anything Mm -hmm. like that happen i haven't had any moments of unconsciousness um my my connection has come through channeling work. Um, so as I said, I've connected with the Andromedan Council, which it just fills me with love. And I equate it to the feeling of when you see deer in a forest. Um, it's it's so it's such overwhelming love that I feel from that group. Um, and I have had a couple different. I guess you would call ET contacts um, made through channeling experience. One of my most, one of my favorite experiences uh, during channeling was connecting with what are called the Greys, um, and they just came through spontaneously. So I am what is called, what I've been told is called an open channel. Um, so I go into the channeled space and I just say, you know, what, uh, what would, who would like to communicate with me? I'm here, and um, what would, what would you like to impart to me? And so I connected with the Greys in that space, and it was such a neat experience because the, the vibration that they carry and the energy that they hold and their view, the way that they perceive things was so, so starkly contrasted to the way that I perceive things. So we're, here we are trying to communicate. They're communicating their concepts to me. 
Um, and what I noticed was in my solar plexus, it felt like I was being tickled. And so I would laugh, um, and I have, you know, kind of a loud laugh. And each time I would laugh, I would sense within their bodies that it was like a le- a, an electrical current, and it was uncomfortable for them, um, and yet I was being tickled. So it was this funny volleying back and forth where I was being tickled, so I would laugh, and then I would feel this sort of, you know, and they would be um, having this current run through them, and they would, per, you know, try and portray to me that's uncomfortable. <laughs> and uh, it was it was very fascinating. And they did tell me a number of things. They taught me a little bit about time, um, and they taught me about the the coming together that their species and and the human species is working on uh, over the next few hundred years. And it was just a really unique experience uh, to when you're in that channeled space, the communication is, it's full body, full aura, and and telepathic. And so it's very much a fully embodied experience. And to it gives me the perception that they have. So it's like this empathic trading of perceptions that we're able to do. And it was just really fascinating, um, really a, a, a very cool species to, or you know, a uh, group to connect with. So I guess that's my 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 favorite story of, of connecting with ETs, but I was fully conscious um, during that experience and taking notes. Uh, my husband was taking notes the whole time, so. That's great. Well, I'm looking at the time, so I'd like to pass you over to my co-host, Ariel, who has the switchboard. Would you be willing to talk to people if they decide to call in and talk to you right now? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, and thanks for talking, Lavendar. That was a fun Thank conversation. You. So, I, <laughs> congratulations on your book, and I know Thank you. it's one of many that you'll be able Thank to you. write in the future. I also kind of oh, see you. you writing a movie or some kind of novel, a story, a storyline, some sometime mm. in your life, something that how maybe, fun? Yeah, would be more. Um, uh, Filmable. It, it's going to be on film. I can see your stories being on film. Awesome. Yeah. I'm open so back to, to it. you, Ariel. Thank you for being with us. Thank you. Okay. Wow. This is <laughs> this is an experience <laughs> that um, I'm so glad that you had, and I think that you're correct that a lot of people are finding themselves, um, you know, going through a process and. And not everyone is um, as well developed in reaching out and and finding their higher selves and their guidance team. And and so I'm really glad that you've put this down to help people Mm. who are also going through that. Because, yeah, it can be really upsetting. Um, I I talk to a lot of people as well. And um, going through a shift where everything that you used to know and believe in and um, think was true is not really, (laughs) not really true anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And it it really can cause this feeling of actually, can I just go back to my old life? Because, you know, that, that made sense. And now I'm one of those outliers, you know, like, um, so yeah, it is nice to have a community and, there, you know, to have different things out there in the world that can say, hey, 
you know, look, there's this whole group of us that are experiencing this, and and here's some help, and um, and things like that. And you know, the book, I feel very strongly about this book because it's actually helped me uh, through this process, and so I see it as something that's being my own guidance system. Um, and so definitely I feel very happy sharing that with, with others as well. So, Yeah, and that's one of the most beautiful things about the Internet is that mm-hmm, people are finding, they're finding each other um, where, you know, 20, 30 years ago that wouldn't have happened. Right. So, you know, and for all of the, you know, the shady stuff and the, that goes on on yeah. the internet and, the, and all the, you know, scamming and it's a dangerous place. But it's it's a double-edged sword. There's there's yeah. a, a, you know, that facet to it that that brings star seeds together because there is a, a homing signal yes. that turns on and it's like you have to you have to gather with others uh, of like mm-hmm. mind. Yeah. So, you know, and then you you start on that journey, and without some guideposts, uh, people can get lost, overwhelmed, confused. But at least there are groups where you can, um, you know, at least talk to others who understand. Mm-hmm. And what do you? Um, what would you say to uh, a client who was? going through this awakening, aware that there is more, um, aware of their own ability as a co-creator, but they are in a um, marital family kind of situation, and the other people are not making the change. Mm. I mean, that happens happens a lot, especially when the, the wife wakes up and the husband is like, well, that's just, you know, that that yeah that that crazy stuff that she thinks you know yeah. what do you, how can you know, um what would you yeah. tell people what would you tell people who's like you know I'm waking up and and the rest of my family or my husband wants to stay right where they are what right. would you tell them you know it's really unique to each person because for some of us the the inspired the inspired answer to that would be um go off into the world and find new experiences and develop what's occurring inside of you and to somebody else it might be stay with those people they're exactly who you need around you right now to help you uh either to help you catapult into the next part of yourself or to help you learn um through their, you know, because they may not be awake, but they may have some really profound insight for you in their sleeping state to impart. So we all serve each other, whether we're going through this awakening or we're not. Um, we're all really serving each other on this uh, sort of quantum level that um, takes us a while to tap into and to understand. So really there isn't a uh, an answer that it's goes not, across yeah. the board, yeah. But it yeah. does. It is nice to have that compassionate ear because it is difficult. We're all. I mean, it it can be really tough 
It really can. When you're, I know for me, I sort of felt all of the sudden, I had, you know, quite a big social circle. Um, I owned a business, and all of the sudden I was sort of this outlier where before I was the central spoke in this um, social circle, and it happened so quickly, and I felt crazy. I, I didn't feel crazy, but the people around me, I felt, perceived me as crazy. Um, it, it made everyone uncomfortable, the things that I was talking about. And it does take a long time sometimes for us to move through that, especially right there in the beginning. We can feel really weird, and it's so nice to have other people who understand. It's it's you know it's very unique. Everyone's situation is unique, though, because it could be that the best thing for somebody is to be right there in the middle of all of those people who think they're crazy, and to find the inner strength to trust themselves. Or it could be the best thing for them to let go of all the people that aren't expressing perfect. Uh, divine love for them and to to go somewhere else, you know. Um, each circumstance is different. I think probably one thing, one takeaway that we can all have, though, is that no matter what the people around us are putting out, we are still one and we are still unified, um, whether we're awake or asleep or any of the various stages that we're in. And so... Yes, sometimes we have to move away from people, but the compassion is really key. Um, And what's the most compassionate thing? Sometimes it's to be fully self-compassionate and to say, you know what, I need to take care of myself and roll through this awakening and go somewhere else. And other times having compassion for the people that we're around, even if they're being antagonistic, can be a huge part in our awakening story. So, um yeah, that really didn't. That was an indirect answer. <laughs> um, <laughs> but no, you're but right. I mean, it a, it depends on the individuals involved, but it is a it's a common scenario, you know, in the starseed right. community. So uh, right now, I want I want to let the uh, listeners know that if you would like to ask a question or make a comment for Allison, if you're already on the switchboard, you'll just need to press one on your keypad. So we know you want to come on the air, and if you're listening on the computer, then pick up the phone and dial 917-889-8292, and then once you're in, press 1, and our our switchboard producers will get you set up in the queue. So um, while we're waiting for that to happen, um, let me ask you, when you were really, really young, like before you started school and, you know, in the first, mm-hmm. you know, 10 years of your life, would you say it was a, a normal 3D childhood or not? Hmm. That's a pretty, that's a good question. I think, so um, to give a little bit of my background as, you know, a young, uh, as a young child, I actually was born into a household where there was a bit of abuse going on physically. Um, And I say that, and I I really want to say immediately that this whole story, my whole background has really built 
into me exactly what I needed to learn. And I have memories of actually choosing this. And I have memories of sitting down with my mom, the person that is my mom in this lifetime, sitting down with her before I was born uh, and mapping out, like, okay, this is what we need so that I can learn what I want to learn. Um, And so she was being abused by my dad physically um, while I was still in the womb. And so uh, my... What came from that in physical form was I had a lot of uh, eczema and health problems. I had some pretty severe um, reactions to that, and my body was just sort of, you know, on edge, I guess, from the beginning. Um, And so that was my my childhood. So uh, around, you know, I was in and out of hospitals with asthma and things like that, And so I guess it was a difficult, in terms of my health story, it was a pretty difficult growing up period. Um, They got divorced when I was about eight, and uh, my, my, uh, my dad has since, you know, he also wrote a book on recovering from being abusive, and he's an amazing human, you know, so we all definitely shift and change. But, um, again, it was something that I signed up for, and I'm grateful for it at this point in my life. Um, in terms of my, you know, connection to spirit and things like that, um, I think what that built was a high level of seeking and empathy uh, because I was really, you know, kind of in this whole survival mode for a lot of my youth. Um, and so I think it's created... Uh, this sort of atypical framework to where, you know, when your body is acting up, um, you really want answers and you want to understand life from a a different perspective. At least that's what my experience was. So I think it really set me up to look for more um, than the surface level. So, yeah, that's uh, kind of my upbringing. Yeah, well, I think it's great that you have such a um a a higher perspective rather than, you know, carrying and nursing um a perceived wound or injustice. You know, yeah. a lot of things that that happen, you know, when you're when you're your first 10 years of your life, a lot of those things you'll carry. And yeah. it sounds to me like like you had such a um an enlightened perception that you knew that it was something that you chose and you used right. it as a stepping stone. So Yeah, and it definitely wasn't always enlightened. <laughs> I think it's no. so, you know, I also want to say it's really important that we allow ourselves to go through the process and if we need to be angry, if we need to, you know, process it in whatever way. You know, I definitely went through my period of thinking that it totally sucked that I had these physical issues, um, you know, having memories that came up about the past and wondering, you know, now I'm 37, uh, wondering if I was ever going to get through it. So there's definitely been some low points, but... um but yeah, I do. I do see it now from a very different perspective, uh, which I have a lot of gratitude for. So, yeah. Well, you know, it's the low points that um, that contrast 
to what you what you think you really desire. Um, it's mm-hmm. the low points that really help you to further define that. And it's like, okay, now this is something that I will, you know, I will create something better. You know, it's 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 mm-hmm. it propels us. It propels yeah. us. You know, and so even a, you know, what would be perceived as a negative experience. You know, you can either carry a chip on your shoulder, or you can grab right. onto it, learn and and launch from it. Um, right. So yeah, it's. it's it's really about being the captain of your own ship because certainly we all have the power to choose. Yeah. How are you going to think about that? How are you going to feel about that? Are you going to carry that forever, you know? Right, um, right. That's, yeah. I, and and I think a turning point for me was having that memory. I did some EFT tapping, and it brought me into this uh, sort of trance state where I had memories of, um, sit like I said, sitting down with my mom in out-of-body form and planning it out. And it really gave me that perspective. I've had a few different instances where I've seen things from that perspective uh, where we really do choose all of our situation and we say, this is, this is exciting. Like, I can't wait to jump into this body and have this experience because that's going to be exactly what I need in order to learn and to express what I'm here to express. And I think having some of those um, memories and some of those understandings has really helped me pull out of feeling sort of victimized by it. And instead, it's shown me, wow, actually, my soul finds this awesome and exciting, you know? Mm-hmm. So... Well, this is great. You know, when you first um, when you first came on and you started talking about um, the Andromedans, uh, it made me wonder if you've listened to Alex Collier, who is another Andromedan contactee. You haven't. Um, I haven't. No, I'll have to write that no. down. Yeah, he did. Um, he did an interview in the late '90s. It was like two hours um, mm. about his experiences. Um, aboard the Andromedan ship and his contacts there and his mm-hmm. um, his guides, his mentors. And um, there was one Andromedan that he called um, Viseus. And Viseus mm-hmm. gave him some words of wisdom that have always stuck with me. And he said, the love you withhold is the pain that you carry. Now that's got lots of layers, but um, wow. yeah, I just like well, how how true is that? Mm. You know, people I really and people like will, that. yeah, people. I mean, people will do that. You know, it's like okay, um, I'm mad at you because of this, so I'm not going to give you any hugs. I mean, that's oversimplified, oh, yeah. but you know, right. when you withhold, yeah, you withhold the love, then it 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 turns into pain that you carry. So, um, yeah, that's, that's, that's my, really my, yeah. Yeah. But if you go, um, actually I have to check the link, but we have that video on our website. Um, okay. it's in the, it's in the vault. There's a link to it. And I had to replace the link because the original one they took down and then I found another copy of it, um, someplace else. 
so I haven't checked it in a couple of years, so I have to go see if it's still working. But it's it's called the Andromedan story, and I think you might. Um, I would love that. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's it's his story, it's his experience, um, and there are you know some really wonderful, beautiful messages, and there's also some some truth that it's it's truth, but it's not all that pleasant. Um, so, you know, just you know, a word to the wise. If you're going to listen to that, remember that once you've heard it, you can't unhear it. So, right. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. For for anyone else that's that's going to go listen to it, um, you know, there there's information on there that is it's important. We need to know, but it's it's not all you know, uh, you know, roses and 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 hearts and things like that. Right. Right. It's it's just the way it is. And, uh, yeah. and he's, yeah, and he's, he's had a he's had a rough time, um, in in being who he is and doing what he's done and what is what has been happening with him. Um, he's a very courageous and uh, well high profile. One time, pretty high profile. I think he's kind of gone underground now, but you hmm. might want to check that out. Okay. So, um, yeah, I'll look at it. Yeah, I'm I'm um I'm looking at the switchboard and I'll repeat it one more time if you have a question or comment for Alice Allison um if you're already on the switchboard just press 1 and I hope that um Mercury retrograde isn't interfering with that. <laughs> and uh, and then um or if you're on the computer and listening then you'll need to pick up the phone and dial 917-889-8292. And then once you're in, press 1. So uh, we'll just give them a couple of more minutes um, if someone does happen to have a question. Although a lot of people will listen to the show in the archives. Um, and then, yes. Yeah, yeah. So I want to repeat your website uh, one more time. It is allisonholly.com. And Allison is spelled A-L-L-I-S-O-N. And Holly is H-O-L-L-E-Y. Dot com, and there you can um, find her book. And is your book also um, other places, or would you prefer having them come to your website for that? Yeah, the website's fine. Uh, it's sold on Amazon, so if you just type in um, The Era of the True Creator, uh, that's the title of the book, and it's available on Amazon. So, Or you can go to my website. There's a link there as well. Okay, does the link on your site take you to Amazon? It does. Okay, and because I know that Amazon does take a cut, um, a pretty big one. So if there's another place where it would benefit you more Aww. for them to, to buy. <laughs> it, it's actually great. Um, I also always put this out if people are having a hard time purchasing it for whatever reason. Uh, send me an email and I'll send you a copy because... I feel very much that it's important uh, if it's calling to someone that they have it. And um, so, yeah, um, no, it's all good. I, you know, uh, I am I am happy with the the having it sold on Amazon. So, um, but thanks for asking. <laughs> yeah, well, it it comes up sometimes um, with with other authors. So I just wanted to make sure. But yeah. that is that is really um, 
kind and compassionate of you to be willing to um, to gift a copy for people that might be having some troubles and, and really feel called to get this book. Yeah, yeah. So the actual title, The Era of the True Creator, and you are saying that we are the creators. Yes, yes. We are, we are the truth. stepping into, yes. What mm-hmm. I feel is we're stepping into collectively is the era of the true creator, um, which means that we start, you know, that we're moving into uh, an understanding of how to become more like our God selves. And I go over this in the beginning of the book where I talk a little bit about we are... Um, fractals of the all that is but when we step into the understanding of uh, of the all that is we actually recognize that we are fully the all that is so we're both a fractal and the full picture um, each person individually so that's a little bit to to wrap our minds around but um, essentially what we're moving into is this ability to use our creative powers and our creative abilities in a way that's um, less convoluted and a bit more clear and direct from our source energy. Um, So we're able to uh, not get caught up in the mental loops and to really be powerful creators. So that's kind of uh, where I'm going with the, the title of the book, The Era of the True Creator. Yeah, well, that's that's just great. Um, Thank you. We actually we have we we have a we have a caller in the screening room, and uh, as soon as they come out, if their if their question is on topic, then we'll we'll pick up and talk to them. Okay, wonderful. So yeah, um, and are you are you familiar at all with the um, Abraham Hicks work, um, the Law of Attraction, and yeah. all of that? Uh, yeah, I mean that that really. It's it's good. It's just good to understand how we mm-hmm. do. Because you mentioned creating by default, not yes. realizing. Right. Uh, okay. I feel very uh, aligned with what she talks about. I do. I when I hear what she talks about, I feel um, that her and I have a very uh, congruent message. So. Right. Well, you know, when you when you tap into truth, doesn't really matter where it comes from. It's all yeah. <laughs> it's, it's all the you know. That's there's true. No one has That's a monopoly true. On that, yeah. Yeah. Um, exactly. Exactly. One of my one of my good good friends, actually the um, the my friend who operates the Heart Center, um, the online school. The way that we met was he posted something on his social media about being a true creator. And so I sent him a message and said, you know, looks like we're getting the same messages because I'm writing a book on being a true creator. So that's how we connected. I think a lot of people are getting similar messages right now that, you know, uh, moving forward from the heart and and creating in a new way. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. Okay. Well, our caller is is ready to come online now. So. you are going to be talking to, I, I believe I'm saying this right, Wind. And, um, he, 
wants to know about <laughs> about some health issues in regard to spirituality. So welcome All to right. the show, Wynn. Go ahead and, and ask your question. Okay. Well, <laughs> good to hear you. You sound amazing. <laughs> um, I, yeah, I really wanted to know, because uh, you talk about your health issues a little bit here on the show. Yeah. Um, and one thing that I know you've learned um, uh, is how how often people have this perception that you're not divine enough or perfect enough or spiritual mm-hmm. enough because you have issues that with your health and you can't be a perfect being. So there's always a struggle and this striving for something to be something that you already are. I just, mm-hmm. you, you know, that's my way of putting it, but I just wanted to hear you uh, address that a little bit more But I got, because I imagine a lot of people would love to hear that. Okay, that's a really good question. <laughs> so um, I was laughing really hard because Wind is my husband. He lives in Asheville, North Carolina, and I live over here in Seattle. So that's a long story. But um, so, yeah, thanks for asking that. Um, and And he's seen me go through a lot of this feeling of, can I really put myself out in front of the world if I'm going through health issues? Um, and that's been a big struggle for me, this sort of perfectionism. Um, in terms of health, I have had my own experience throughout my life with this, um, with different health issues that have come up. And at times, our body can react to very good things that we're doing. So, for instance... When I was going through some deep shadow work, dark night of the soul stuff, my body reacted very, very strongly to that. And I was doing exactly what I needed to do. I was going deep into this shadow work and clearing some really deep pain on a cellular level from my body. And that was manifesting as an intense rash all over my body, which I had for two to three months, and I was bedridden. It was a really difficult time. Um, I also had an ecstatic experience while I was very, very sick. So I learned a couple things from that. And what I mean by ecstatic experience was I was channeling and my body was overtaken with ecstasy and I got up and started dancing um, while I was channeling. It was so incredible. And so, like I said, I learned a couple things from that experience. One, that just because our physical body is manifesting an ailment, it doesn't mean that we're doing something wrong. It doesn't mean that we're bad. It doesn't mean that we're off course. It simply means that this is our body that we're living and learning through. And um, and that by itself, learning through our body as a teacher, as a way to, you know, kind of like I said um, a minute ago with my growing up experiences that I chose that because that was the perfect storm, so to speak, to learn exactly what I wanted to learn, what I was craving, learning on a soul level. Um, So it really can mean that we're right on course. And those processes that we go through to help our bodies are also our learning self-love, which is a huge lesson. It's like the main lesson that we're here to learn and embody. Um, And then the second thing that I learned, and this was really profound, was that we are not 
required to feel good on a human level in order to embody an ecstatic state. And for my sexuality work, that's very important, and I'm really integrating that into what I'm um, expressing through the sexuality work right now because we tend to think of this uh, ecstatic state, this unconditional joy state, as us feeling good and having good circumstances in our lives when really it isn't anything connected to the emotions. It's an energetic frequency. And as we go through an awakening and ascension process, our bodies are going to react in really strange ways, especially if we're highly sensitive. So while we don't want to get totally attached to those stories of pain and healing, what we do want to recognize is that we're perfect and whatever our body is manifesting is just telling a story and it can be as neutral as that. It's simply a story that we're navigating. So, yeah, I think that's a synopsis of of my own health uh, process and how much I've learned through it. And, you know, kind of like um, Ariel, kind of like what you were saying, and I know there was the quote that Lavendar uh, said, or maybe I'm getting the names wrong. Somebody said, you know, that our pain uh, corresponds, if, if the winter wasn't so long, the spring wouldn't be so joyful. That's what it was. Um, yeah, that was Anastasia. And very, yeah, Anastasia. So that was very beautiful and very true, you know, and part of the whole experience that we're having on Earth is duality and being able to feel the pleasure and the pain um, and to have that run through our system. And so it's all awesome, you know. Everything that we go through is really a gift. Uh, and I know that the pain, the painful stuff, I talk to a lot of people who have pretty intense health stories, and the pain isn't fun. It's, you know, it's not like our human mind is saying, yeah, this is great, but there is <laughs> an opening for uh, a deeper understanding and a, and a much greater awareness that, that happens during those periods that is just really profound, and at times, that's the best way that we know how to learn it. So, yeah, our health story can be our mm-hmm. greatest gift. Oh, absolutely. It's, um, it, it is sometimes when, when you're in those extreme situations, whether it's physical health, um, you know, an emotional um, upheaval mm. or something, it's those times when the, the superficiality you see right mm-hmm. through it, and it just kind of like, okay, that's not important anymore. You, it really helps you to reprioritize what you, you know, yeah. used to think that was really important, and now you see it that it's not. And sometimes, right. you know, having right. having some some downtime because you don't feel well, um, yeah, can be a, a, a blessing and a gift. In retrospect, mm-hmm. it may not be too fun to go through at the time. Yeah. But in retrospect, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, when did that answer your question? Yeah, I think she really elaborated on it really well. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but I just really thought it was a great question because we have really seen a lot of a lot of uh, people who get so concerned about that with themselves and um, a lot of shame around just, it. Yeah, and it's such a beautiful gift, and even though it's so painful, and yeah, I think Allison really is a great person to speak on that. 
Oh, well, great. I think, it's, I think it's wonderful that she has your total support. And, yes. And that's, that's, a, that's a great thing, too. Okay, well, thank well, you for the when, call. Thank you so much for calling. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye. What a sweet, what a sweet man you've got. I know. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that was a really good question because I think a lot of people um, have been, you know, going through kind of this, that, those kind of things because waking up often has physical uh, repercussions. And, yeah, uh, definitely. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, the physical body, it's it's the car that we're driving around in. So, yes. Uh, when it has to sit at a stoplight, you have to be thinking about something. Yeah, so, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Really, yeah, a good time to good time to take a look at truth, and yes. and see that you know things that that you used to be all wrapped up in really don't mm-hmm. matter at all. You know, not you personally, yeah. but you know that one is wrapped up in. So um, I like the way that you put that <laughs> the car analogy. I'm going to remember that one. Oh yeah, yeah. I I like to illustrate through analogies a lot, and I don't even think about doing it, but. <laughs> that's just the way it is for me. And yeah, I mean, for, and people are impatient. So if you're, you know, if you're in a car and you're stuck in a, in traffic, and they're impatient, then then that can that can build go. up some. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's mm-hmm. times when you just kind of need to, you know, surrender. It's like, okay, I'm I'm here now. What can I do with this? And yeah. uh, and go forward with it. And always right. always remember that none of us are alone. There's someone somewhere who's going through the exact same thing, and yes. fortunately, with with the internet and um, you know, and people like you, there are plenty of um, of places where you can find that that um, alignment and that support. Yeah, yeah, definitely, mm-hmm. definitely. Yeah. yeah. So, um, just to um, wrap it up here. The name of your new book is The Era of the True Creator, and this is Allison Holly that we've been listening to, and the website is allisonholly.com, and that's A-L-L-I-S-O-N-H-O-L-L-E-Y.com. So check out the book, and Allison, thank you so much for your dedication and your contribution to the ascension of everyone. Thanks so much for having me on. It's been such a fun and uh, uh, there's like a fun, silly, joyful energy that you guys carry, and I really am honored to have been a guest. So thank you. Oh, you're so welcome. So So with that, uh, I'm going to wrap up, and I want to thank everyone for listening. Make sure you pick up a copy of Allison's new book, and we will be back next week. And until then... Think of one thing at least to be grateful for every day. Find the beauty and be grateful for it. And in that way, you will consciously create more and more beauty around you. So until next week, everyone, take care. Bye-bye. been listening to Starseed Radio Academy. Visit our website at www.starseedhotline.com.